1 Kings chapter 21. We're going to start there at verse 1. We're going to continue our adventures with Elijah, the continuing adventures of Elijah. Now, when we left off with Elijah, uh, Brother Elijah, he had been very, very distraught, got depressed, and we found out the reasons why he was depressed and some of the mistakes he made and then how God provided for him, took him out of that depression and got him back on his feet. He can do the same thing for you. If you're depressed, God can come in in your life and take care of that problem for you. And if you'll just lean on Jesus Christ, you'll be amazed what the Lord can do for you when you're going through some kind of depression or some kind of bad moment in your life, some kind of storm. Well, Elijah, he is raised back up. He's back on his feet. Well, God's got another plan for him. And this is where we're going to pick it up. First Kings, First Kings chapter 21, verse 1. Look, follow along with me if you can. I'm going to probably be right here the whole time. And it came to pass, after these things, that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So this guy Naboth, he had a really good piece of land, but it was right there close to where Ahab, King Ahab's palace was. Now remember, Ahab was the one that's married to Jezebel. And Ahab was the one that, uh, that was really kind of in cahoots with Elijah when they had the competition to see whose God was really God. Well, that's this Ahab. And Naboth, he has some land that's right next to Ahab's palace. Verse 2. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. So, so uh, Ahab comes to Naboth and says, Hey, listen, I want that piece of land you got. Uh, I just want to use it for some, for some herbs, and I just like it. I'll give, you some, I'll give you a better vineyard than what you have. I'll also give you as, as much money than it's worth, or more money than it's worth. Just give it to me. That sounds like a reasonable, reasonable thing to ask. But verse 3, here's the problem. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Well, here's the problem. God had, God had forgiven, had forbidden in Numbers chapter 36, verse 7, for them to exchange land between the tribes. You had to keep it in the tribes. So Naboth knew that Ahab wasn't part of the tribe. His tribe says, Man, the Lord God forbid me to give it to you. I can't give it to you. Verse 4, And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he, and he Ahab, laid him down upon his bed, turned away his face, and would eat no bread. Old pouty puss, he got to pouting about it because he couldn't get what he wanted. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know I'm just a... Just a sinner, Father God, just leaning on the grace of Jesus Christ, Father, and I pray, Lord, this morning, Father, that your words will be preached, that your Holy Spirit will move and lead God and direct us, Lord, into all truth. Lord God, I pray, Father, you hide me behind the cross. And Father, I pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way, Father. And Lord, as we go through this story of Ahab and Naboth and Jezebel, Lord God, that we could glean some truths out of it, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, there's somebody who needs the sound of my voice that can't think of a time that they've put their faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation, Father, I pray, Lord God, at the end of this service, Lord God, when we give the invitation, they'll come on down here and get saved, Lord God. Father, I pray a blessing on your radio ministry, your internet ministry, Lord God. I pray, Father, the truth will get out, Lord God, that the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ and Him alone, Lord God. And we do thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you so much for it. We love Him so much, Father. And I'm praying all this in His blessed name, the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. All right, so go back up to verse 3. What's so special about Naboth? What's so special about Naboth? Who is Naboth? Well, Naboth, it said, Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Naboth, we find out, is a man that follows God's words. Naboth didn't have to follow God's words right here. Naboth, number one, Naboth knows God's law. It's, 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 a lot of reasons why people do the things they do in this world is they don't know enough about God's words to know what God says or doesn't say. It's just whatever they feel like they think God would say or not say. They hadn't read God's words, but Naboth's not like that. Naboth knows God's words. He knows what God wants him to do and what God doesn't want him to do. So, and not only does he know these words, Naboth follows God's words. Why is that so important, Brother Keegan? Because Naboth is following God's words, and it's going to cost him some riches, and it's going to cost him some fame. See, even though this is going to cost Naboth a lot of money, Naboth could have made a lot of money off of this. And this happened all the time in Israel, people selling off land they weren't supposed to and doing all that. But Naboth, being a godly man that knows God's words and doesn't want to go against God's words, says, you know, I, I, I fear the Lord God. That's the beginning of wisdom, right? I fear the Lord God, and no, I can't do it. Ahab, I, I would do it, but I can't do it. It's forbidden to me by God to do what you want me to do. So not only does he know God's words, not only is he following God's words, he's choosing God's words over riches and fame. Do you imagine, can you imagine how much money Ahab could have given him if, if Naboth said, you know what, I know you give me some money, but I think it's worth more than that. Naboth, I mean, Ahab would say, whatever, Ahab has all the money he could ever want. Ahab said, whatever you, just ask it. I'll give it to you, Naboth. What, what vineyard? I'll give you a better vineyard. And you know how much fame Naboth could have got if he would have just said, you know what, Ahab, if I'll give it to you. And, we'll, and, and, and Ahab would have always found favor. Naboth would have always found favor in Ahab's kingdom if he would have just did what Ahab wanted. If he just followed what the government wanted him to do, everything would have been all right. But Naboth's not that guy. Naboth's the guy that says, you know what, I don't care what the government says or who comes in and asks me of this, I'm always going to follow what God's words say. Amen. That's the kind of man we got here in Naboth. Naboth. Now, he could, have, he could have did all kinds of things to get this land sold. And he chose to say, you know what, I'm just going to follow what God has for me. But notice in verse 3, this is very important. And I didn't ever notice this until this, this, I've read this story multiple, multiple times. I've preached this sermon before. I've preached on this before in, in, in my ministry years ago. But I've never noticed this. All these times I've read this and, and preached this. In verse 3 it says, And Naboth said unto Ahab the Lord. Notice something here. He knows God by name. Because later on in verse 10 and verse 13, they just mention God. They're not mentioning the Lord. Naboth is a man that knows God, but he don't know who God is. He knows him by name. That's very important. It's very important. It's not enough to know that there's a Jesus Christ. You've got to know him by name. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. It's not enough to know God. You've got to know the Lord God by name. My Father. My Father who, are, who is in heaven. So Naboth is a man that follows the Lord. Not only knows the Lord, but he follows God's Follow God's rules, follows God's law, follow God's, follows God's words, and he knows him, has a personal relationship with him. What I found out about this story, and we're going to find out that he's going to lose this land. Y'all know the story. Naboth's going to lose right here. What I know is, according to the word of God, and according to what I know about the laws of this nation, 
No man and no government has a right to take another man's land from him. None. And maybe I'm out here in the country with a bunch of ranchers that own a lot of land, but the government has no right to come in and take what belongs to man, take a man's land away from him. A government has no right to do that. And a government's wicked if they make a law to come in and take another man's land. And this is what's going to happen here. This, this government right here is going to come up with a law to take a man's land. So what do we find out about Ahab? Well, let's look at Ahab. Verse 4. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father. And he laid, down, he laid him down upon his bed, turned away his face, and would eat no bread. What do we find out about Ahab? Well, Ahab's just a pouty puss. Ahab's just a sorry, uh, just uh, a brat. Somebody yelled it out. I had that written down right here, too. A spoiled brat. He won't give me the land. And this goes, you can almost see Ahab taking the covers and just throwing them. Just a spoiled brat. With all that Ahab has, the most powerful man in the kingdom, with all the money he has, all the power he has, all the influence he has, all the land he has, but he can't get that one little piece of land. He says, I'm just going to make a garden of herbs out of it. It's not special in any way where he's going to make some big thing. He's not going to build his wife some big temple on it. He just wants to make a little garden of herbs. And it's just that one little piece of land. But he can't get that one. And that, just that one. It's what he can't have. It's what's driving him crazy. It's that covetous spirit. That covet, covet, covet. He's not only a powder, he's a spoiled brat. One of y'all yelled that out. And I appreciate that. But that's the way man is. Man's just no better than a goat. He looks on the other side of the fence and that grass over there looks greener than what he has right here. But you know the grass is also greener over the septic tank too. Amen. It's also greener over the septic tank. Ahab's a powder. He's a spoiled brat. He's throwing a hissy fit. You know what... And maybe, I, maybe I'm just too critical of modern-day Christianity, but I hear modern-day Christians, and you'll see them on the Internet, or you'll you hear them, and they'll say, uh, not today, Satan, not today. And, and to me, it's, just, it's, very, it's kind of sacrilegious to me when I hear them. It's kind of blasphemous. Not today, Satan. You know, in other words, they're not going to have a bad day. Something's going to happen. But not today, Satan. And it's almost like they're mocking the belief that Satan can get after you. And when Satan gets after you, you're not going to be laughing and going, Not today, Satan. <laughs> you're going to go, Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, please deliver me from this. Because when Satan really gets after you, you don't want no part of that. And for you to be mocking like, oh, Not today, Satan. But my point to you about this and my point to you about Ahab and about modern day Christianity is sometimes, it don't matter how rich you are or what situation you're in, sometimes it's just good to hear these Two-letter words called no. No. Ahab, no. You're not going to get that land, no. It's good to hear it. You need to hear it. I need to hear it. So instead of saying, not today, Satan, why don't you say, not today, Keegan. You know, I'd really like to do this. Not today, Keegan. No, Keegan. There's times I've looked in the mirror and there'll be thoughts in my mind and there'll be wicked thoughts and I'll look myself in the face and I'll say, nope. I look right at myself in the mirror. No. I tell myself, no. Why do I do that? Because I know what's in me. Dwelleth no good thing. And some of y'all maybe in here might, might need to hear no. It'd be good for you. 
Maybe you're getting too powerful in your family. Maybe you're getting too powerful at work. Maybe you're getting too powerful in your relationships. And you're so used to getting your way, there comes a time where you don't get your way and you're like, ah! And you look up and you're like, man, I just need to just accept the word no. Amen. Amen. And that what's going on with the, the political scene and everything going on in America today? We got a bunch of young kids running around that don't know the word no. I think that's what the problem is. They don't know the word no. They're highly educated and they never learned the definition of no. Verse 5. Verse 5. Look what happens verse 5. But Jezebel, uh-oh. <laughs> but Jezebel, his wife, came in to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread, my darling? I added the last part just for clarification. So Jezebel comes in and she says, oh baby, let me, let me get you a little warm uh, bottle. Let me change your diaper. Let me put you to bed. Not, not Ahab, not, not. Starts treating him like a little baby. Is everything all right, sweetie pumpkins? No, it's not all right, verse 6. And he said unto her, because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and he said unto him, and said unto him, give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered it, I will not give thee my vineyard. What? He said no to me. And that's just not right. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to turn my head. To, I, he's, I want my way. And Jezebel says, it's okay, baby. Let me change your diaper and you'll feel better. And give you a warm bottle. Verse 7. And Hillary, I, I mean Jezebel. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of... I Kind of slipped out a little bit. I didn't mean to say Hillary there. That kind of, kind of slipped out a little bit. Sometimes I, I let stuff slip. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Mm-mm-mm. Arise and eat bread and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Jezreelite, Jezreelite. uh-oh. Jezebel says, hey, what are you worried about? Aren't you the ruler? What is she saying? Nobody tells you no. You get what you want. Leave it to me. I'll make sure you get what you want, baby. And she's going to do it. This is exactly what she's going to do. You know there's a saying that says, behind every good man is a good woman. You know I believe that saying? I believe that. I believe behind every good man is a good woman. I believe that's the power that you ladies have over us. That you can be very powerful. You can lead men to do things they never dreamed of being able to do. By your support. By the things you can do. By you just being subjected unto them. Saying, you know what, whatever way you want to do for the Lord, I'll just follow along. I mean, you, you ladies can do some amazing things behind the scenes. You can control us like <laughs> you never dreamed. And do some amazing things. And I believe that. I believe behind every good Man is a good woman. But behind every bad man, I think you're going to find a bad woman. I, and I, I don't mean just the wife. I Maybe mean, some of y'all are taking that wrong. When I say woman, I didn't say behind every good man is a good wife. I said is a good woman. It might be a good mother. It might be a good grandmother. It might be a good aunt. But behind every bad man, I think if you trace that man's heritage, you'll find a bad mother or a bad wife, or a bad grandmother, or a bad aunt, or let's say a bad sister, that influenced them in such an awful way. Here's a point where this wife here, Jezebel, should have said, Ahab, it's just a little piece of land. 
We got, you can get anything you want. You shouldn't be throwing a fit about that. You know that's embarrassing. Don't embarrass a family. Get up. Don't worry about it. We'll find you another piece of land. But no, she's going to go right along with her husband and say, you know what? This ain't right. I'm going to make this right. Verse 7, and we're going to get what belongs to us, and you're going to rise and eat and be merry because I'm going to give you that vineyard. That's exactly what she's going to do. Verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. In other words, bring him up in front of everybody. Verse 10. And set two men, sons of Belial. Now sons of Belial, we'd say today that's the same thing as saying sons of the devil. Some wicked men. Sons of the devil. Sons of Belial. Set these two men, sons of Belial, before him, before Naboth, to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him, that he may die. Wow. So she says, oh, give, me, give me some pen and paper, and she writes this. She says, I want you to take Naboth. I want you to be falsely accuse him of blaspheming God and blaspheming the king, and then I want you to take him out, and I want you to stone and kill him. Signed, not Jezebel, Ahab. In Jezebel's name. And she sends it. Now she's wicked. Jezebel is wicked. Jezebel is the, most, is the most wicked woman you're going to find in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. Jezebel is mentioned in Revelation. Wicked. But she only has as much power as you give her. Amen. Ahab could have stood up and been a man and said, No, you're not sending that. I'm not murdering a guy over that. No, you're not doing that. I want the land, but I don't want it that bad. And took her power away from her, amen? Ahab could have done that. It's his name, right? But look at verse 11. And the men of his city, even the elders and the nobles who were in the inhabitants of his, in his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them. What amazes me Amazes me beyond belief. I don't get this, and I'm still, I guess I'm too young a man to really understand the, men's, the way men work and women work. But you take somebody like Hitler. Hitler is a wicked man. Stupid, wicked, I believe, demon-possessed man that lived in history. But Hitler could only do what the people allowed him to do. And when Hitler gave the commandment, go get the Jews, go get the Christians, Go get the Jehovah's Witness. Go, you, go get whoever it was. Go get them lock them up. Put them in concentration camps. His word is only as, only as powerful as the men and women carrying out his word. So it's not enough that you have a wicked man like Hitler. It's not enough that you have a wicked woman like Jezebel. But you have to have thousands of people who are willing to go along and follow out the orders. So the question I have to you this morning, are you one of those? That when the government says, hey, do this and do that, you're going to say, okay. Well, I think it's wrong, but okay. Because it's happened all through the history of mankind. Where there's been orders given, some of the most wicked commands to kill and murder and rape and pillage. And, and men and women go right along with it. Right along with it. It's scary. Look at verse 12. Well, in the end of verse 11, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. Okay, verse 12. I want to make sure I get it all written out. Uh, set out. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. 
And they came in, there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him, and the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth, that blasphemed God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones. That he died. Wow. They killed him. He's dead. <laughs> they done it. They done it. What did Naboth do? He did the most evil thing a person can do. He talked religion and he talked politics. To God, he blasphemed God and the king. What's the two things they tell you not to talk about? Don't talk politics and don't talk religion. You go to work, you don't be talking politics and don't be talking religion. My wife, were just, my wife and I were just coming to church and she was talking about a family she knows. She said, they get together, they're so split on politics that the, the matriarch, the woman of the family says, don't talk politics. And when somebody starts talking politics, she says, we don't talk politics in this house. Don't talk politics and don't talk religion. Well, I, I agree with some of that because, I mean, you talk politics. What do people get? They get mad. They get angry. Here's the truth about this. You want to get killed? The two ways you're probably going to get murdered is either by politics or by religion. That's the two murderous ways in the world since the beginning of mankind. Somebody's either going to murder you over politics or murder you over your religion. Those are the two murderous people right there. It's a religious charge. They gave him a religious charge of blasphemy against God. It's the nutty religious people that are going to murder you. They call us religious nuts. It's not us going to be murdering people. It's the nutty religious people that are going to murder you. They strap a bomb up to themselves and Allah is God and Allah and boom. Friends, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is about a man. A man called Jesus Christ. It's about following a man, a living man, a risen Savior. It's not a religion. We're not in a religion in here. Amen? We're not in. We're, it's not that we're Baptists or Methodists or Presbyterians. Or, it's not about a religion. It's about the man Jesus Christ. And when I preach, I'm not preaching about the Baptist denomination or preaching about religion or you need to be religious. I don't care about your religion. I care about your salvation in Jesus Christ. I care, do you know this man Jesus Christ? Because when I pick up my Bible, it's all about your belief in the man Jesus Christ. Not on what church you go to or what your beliefs are politically or your beliefs religiously. It's all about the man. What have you done with this man, Jesus Christ? Amen. When you get up into heaven and you get up to the pearly gates, they're not going to be at the gates and say, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Oh, you're a Republican? Come on in. That's not going to happen. As much as they want you to believe that. I'm a libertarian. Okay, come on in. I'm a Democrat. Whoop, going straight down. No, it's not going to work that way. I know some of y'all think that. It's not going to work that way. You're not going to get up to the front and knock on the pearly gates and they say, who'd you vote for? And you say, I proudly voted for Trump. Oh, come on in here then. The only question they're going to have for you is, what did you do with the man, Christ Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. What did you do with him? Did you believe in him? Is he your savior? There's some scary verses in Matthew where Jesus Christ said they come in here and they said, Lord, let us in, Lord, let us in. And Jesus Christ said, I never knew you. 
But I know you. I don't know you. Don't let him in. Do you know him? But it's not enough to know that there's a Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amen. Have you called out to him in prayer and said, Lord Jesus Christ, will you please save me? I'm a sinner. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know you on a personal level. I want to, when I get up into heaven, I get up to those pearly gates, and they start asking me questions, you'll be there and you'll push them aside. Let him on in. He belongs to me. He's my brother or he's my sister. Come on in. I've been waiting for you. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It don't matter what your religion is. It's all about what have you done with Jesus Christ. Amen. They blasphemed. Blasphemous. He blasphemed God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Verse 14. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth is stoned and dead. Hey, Jezebel, you got your way. He's dead. We killed him. Verse 15. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take up possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money. For Naboth is not alive but dead. Woo, they're having a party there at Ahab's house. Jezebel comes in. Uh, guess what, honey? You can go get that vineyard now. And, and, really, baby? Really? Yeah, yeah. I took care of that problem. I killed him. Let's go get it. You think Ahab said, oh no, you killed him, you murdered him? Ahab says, really? It's my vineyard? No matter the cost? Verse 16, And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab arose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. He says, woohoo! And he heads on down there. And guys, if you close your Bible right now, you would say, God doesn't care. If you stop reading right there at verse 16, you could say, there is no God, see? See, where is God? Naboth did everything that was right in the eyes of God. He followed God's words. He, was, he, was, he, he stood up to the government that told him to, to, to disallow God's words, to disobey God's words, and Naboth did everything that was right in God's eyes, and he still died. Now, what kind of God would allow that to happen? What kind of God? This story ain't over. That's why I love this story. Because it looks like it's a happily ever, ever after story for the bad guys. And sometimes we think that. We see something happen in this world. We see some evil come upon somebody that we love. We see some wicked come upon somebody that's a real godly Christian. And we see it doesn't end well. And we say, man, where is God? And God's up in heaven saying, man, I'm not done telling the story yet. I'm going to get the glory out of this. There's a payday someday. And it happens in the very next verse. Verse 17. You know what the title of my sermon is? The title of my sermon is, When the Dogs Come Home to Feast. Or Who Let the Dogs Out. That's, I have two titles. Who Let the Dogs Out or When the Dogs Come Home to Feast. This isn't going to be good for Ahab and Jezebel. There's a saying that goes, they use it a lot in the black community, and I think it's because of Malcolm X, but they use it in the black community a lot, but it's when the roosters, or when the chickens come home to roost. It's the same thing, when the dogs come home to feast. Verse 17, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. The Lord knows what's happening, the Lord's going to take care of it. Verse 18, hey, arise, hey, Elijah, arise, go down to meet Ahab, and the king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, He's in the vineyard of Naboth, whether he has gone down to possess it. 
God knows what's going on. Verse 19, And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, And the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, Shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Ooh-wee. See how you stoned Naboth and killed him and his blood's out there on the ground and the dogs are licking that blood? The same place the dogs are licking his blood, Ahab, he's going to lick your blood. Don't you think Ahab right about now would think, ooh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Maybe that land wasn't so important to cost me my life. Verse 20, and Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? See, Ahab is there, and here comes Elijah. And Elijah, he hadn't heard what Elijah's going to say yet. He just sees Elijah coming up, and he sees Elijah, and he goes, Man alive, every time I see Elijah, it's, it's, something bad's going to happen. And y'all have been following along. If you've been following along my sermons, every time Ahab and Elijah show up, bad things happen for Ahab. And he says, Oh, my enemy. Hey, there's my enemy. What does the Bible say about that? Paul says in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Am I your enemy? Am I your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? I don't want to be your enemy, but are you making me your enemy because I'm just simply telling you the truth? Ahab makes Elijah his enemy. Oh, mine enemy, he, in verse 20, and he answered, I have found thee because I have sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Ahab says, I found you because you're a sellout, Ahab. You're a sellout. You sold yourself out. We use that term today. You're a sellout. I found thee because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Ahab, you're a sellout. You sold out God. And you sold out God's words. You took your own preferences and you took your own heart and you took what you want over what God said to do and you sold God out and you did what you want to do. You're a sellout, Ahab. And the question I have for you this morning, what would it take you to be, how much would it take for you to be a sellout to the Lord? You say, brother, I don't think I would sell out the Lord. What if it was a million dollars? Just to do what God doesn't want you to do. A million dollars? For most of us in here, that's a lot of money. Some of us in here say, man, a million ain't, how about a billion? What if you had a, what if it was offered to you a billion dollars to sell out the Lord a billion dollars would take care of you, your children, your grandchildren. They would never have to work. Can you imagine? Just one little mistake, just one little thing. Just sell out the Lord for one thing. I know some of y'all are going, I wouldn't do it, but would you? I think this whole country is to sell out. I think we have, a, I think we have the United States of America full of Christian sellouts has sold out the Lord for their own preferences. Why do you believe that, Pastor? Because this church isn't full and neither are any of the other churches around here. Somebody sold out the Lord. But everywhere you go, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. It's hard not to meet somebody who doesn't say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But somebody sold out the Lord somewhere. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll sell out the Lord for a billion dollars, you'll sell out the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. That's what our Lord was sold out for. 
you're a sellout. You've got to be careful not to be a sellout for the Lord. Jesus Christ said, what, what should a man gain if he gained the whole world but to lose his own soul? We're talking about spiritual things here. See, that's the problem. You're living in the flesh and you're thinking, a billion dollars. What could I do with a billion dollars? What you'll do is you'll spend all that money and man, you might have a good time and you're still going to die. And your soul's still going to have to answer to God. And that's a fearful thing. Because that's eternity. That isn't just a little while. That's eternity. Eternity. Maybe you don't get what that means. There was a guy that wouldn't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he kept rejecting Christ. And then one night he had a dream. And in that dream he's in hell. And he, while he's in hell, he lifted up his eyes, and there was a big clock on the wall. Big old clock up on the wall in hell. And he said while he's in hell, he looked up at that clock, and he said there was something weird about that clock. And he stared at that clock as he was burning, and he looked at that clock, and then he realized that clock had no hands. No hands. He woke up and he realized that represents eternity. Eternity. He got right and received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's what it took for him to realize hell is not just a little while. We're talking about eternity. That's what we're talking about this morning, eternity. The eternal things, not the spiritual things, not the... Physical thing. Not a piece of land that you're willing to murder somebody over. Verse 21. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity. Now, posterity means descendants. Descendants. His generations. So what Paul, I mean Paul, what Elijah is telling Ahab here is simply saying, I'm going to get rid of all your kinfolk are coming behind you. You're done. You're finished. Your kingdom is finished. And it will cut off from Ahab, look, him that pisseth against the wall. Are you reading along with me? Because I didn't just make that up. It's right there in the Bible. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that's a, that's a boy. What a boy does against the wall. When he needs to go to the bathroom, he goes up against the wall. That's, he's talking about a boy there. And him that shut up and left in Israel. Verse 22, And will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Hajah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. So God says, you know that house there? I'm going to destroy thee. Just those two people he just mentioned there, they were wiped out. Their whole kingdom was wiped out. They had no kids that come up behind them. Completely destroyed. And Elijah says, by God's power, he says, Ahab, that's exactly what I'm going to do to you. Verse 23. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Whew. Jezebel's not going to get away. Jezebel's not going to get away. Hey, there's a payday coming for old Jezebel, and the dogs are going to eat her when the dogs come home to feast. You want to murder that guy over that piece of land? God says, you know what? I'm going to let the dogs get you. In verse 24, Him that dieth of Ahab in the cities, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. Now you know why I'm calling this sermon, When the dogs come home to feast. Or who let the dogs out? God let the dogs out. Did that happen? It most surely did. Turn to 1 Kings chapter, 23, uh, 1 Kings chapter 22. Next chapter over. Let's see what happens to old Ahab. So Ahab, 
Look at verse 34, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 34. Next chapter over. Ahab goes out to battle with Jehoshaphat when he's out in battle. A certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel, that's Ahab, between the joints of the harness, wherefore he said unto the driver of his chariot, Turn thine hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. So this man, in the battle, he simply is just shooting an arrow up, by chance, just shooting an arrow up, and there's Ahab, and he's in his chariot, and the arrow goes, shoo, by chance. Verse 37, so the king died, verse 37, so the king died, that's Ahab, and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood. And they washed his armor according to the word of the Lord which he spake. Just like God said it, that's exactly what happened. The dogs were out there licking up his blood. You don't want to mess with the Lord God. You know, some, I'm going to tell you something about the Lord God I found out from reading his Bible for about 30 odd years. When he says it's going to happen, it happens. <laughs> Verse 39, now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did and the ivory house which he made and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers and Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his stead. That's an error. That's a problem. That's a problem for you guys if you've been following along this morning. Why is that, Brother Keegan? Because it says there that Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his stead. I thought the Bible said back there that I thought Ahab was told back there by Elijah, you're being cut off. Nobody's going to reign after you. You're done. Your family's done. It was. I said, what? Exactly what God said. Now we're reading here where Isaiah, his son, took over. Something happened. I didn't read all of it to you. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 21. Let's close here. We're closing here, guys. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 21. Something has changed from what we read by what we read Elijah told him and from when he dies. Something has changed. And I'm going to tell you what's changed. God's mind's changed. That might be a great truth for you this morning. You might not realize that you can have and do something to change God's mind. You know, I changed God's mind one day. I was a sinner. I was bound to hell. I deserved hell. And one day I bent down on my knees and said, Jesus Christ, I don't know everything. I don't know, even know how to do this, but I just want to be saved. Lord Jesus Christ, will you please save me? And I prayed a prayer about like that, and I changed God's mind. He said, see that guy right there, that, that little boy Keegan right there? He was going to hell. Now I changed my mind. I'm going to put him up into heaven because of what he did. You can change God's mind. And you're going to see Ahab change God's mind. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 21, look at verse 25. Why did God change his mind? By doing the most powerful thing anybody in this room can do. How did Ahab change God's mind? Verse 25, But there was none like unto Ahab which did sell himself to work the wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred it up. <laughs> I love the Bible. Ahab was wicked, right? He was more wicked than any king. And his wife, Jezebel, he, she stirred it up. Now you know why I call her Hillary. Always stirring it up. Hillary has nothing to do with this election coming up, but she's up there telling Biden, don't ever accept it. Don't accept the results. And I think, you old Jezebel, why don't you just go off and fly a kite or something, you know? What are you doing? Stirring it up. That's what Jezebel did. 
Ahab is wicked. You see that verse? It tells you everything you know about Ahab. He's wicked. Jezebel is wicked. Verse 26. He did very abominably in following idols according to all things as did the Amorites whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. You don't need to know this, but you already know this, but that ver those verses are telling you Ahab was wicked, wicked, wicked. Verse 27. How did he change God's mind? And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words, the words of Elijah, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. When Ahab heard the words of God, he took them seriously and he repented. That's what we need. We need to take the words of God seriously. Verse 28, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Now here's the word of the Lord. It comes back to light, and this is what the Lord tells Elijah. Verse 29, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Wow. The, ver the verses before that says Ahab was one of the most wicked, if not the most wicked king of Israel. He did more to, do, to get God mad at him. Jezebel stirred it up, and Ahab says, you know what? I'm scared, and he repented, and he got down in sackcloth and ashes, and he went softly, and he humbled himself down. You know what God said? You see how wicked he was? See how he humbled himself down? I'm going to wait and do it to his son. I'm not going to do it to him. What's amazing about this, when Ahab dies, when that, the arrow comes there, Ahab done it to himself. Ahab was given warning after warning not to do what he was doing, and he went out in the battle anyway, and he got an arrow right in the chest for it. I'm here to tell you that God would have probably let him go. It's all because of what? Because he humbled himself. I know I've been ranting and raving for 40 minutes, and we're closing, but I want to close and say this. If you get anything out of this sermon, you get these two things. Number one, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're going to hell. And number two, there is incredible, guys, and I'm here to tell you, incredible power with God when you humble yourself down. If you will find a way just to say no to yourself and say, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. If you find a way to humble yourself down, God says, Elijah, do you see him? Do you see how he humbleth himself? I'm not going to do it to him. I thought you just told us he was the most wicked king Israel ever had. He is. But there's incredible power with humbleness. There's incredible power you can have with God to change his mind just by humbling yourself down. You could be the most wicked, sinful man in the world, and if you would get down on your knees and humble yourself down, God will look on you with grace. And it's not just there in the Bible. It's all the way through the Bible. And I just pre preached last year about the incredible power of humbleness. So I'm not going to keep harping, harping, harping on it. But that verse right there shows you that if you're in here this morning and you think, ah, there's no chance between me and God, I'm too wicked, I've done too much bad stuff, I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you'll humble yourself down, if you look at Ahab, God showed him grace. If you'll live a life, live a life of humbleness, God will work in your life like you've never known. 
What about Jezebel, uh, Brother Keegan? I'm going to read about her getting eaten. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do too. I do too. And Lord willing, we might do that next Sunday. I'll read it to you, and we'll get into that. Because there is a payday someday. And Jezebel thinks she got away with it. Woo-wee, wait till you see what happens to Jezebel. It isn't pretty. Just like God said. Jezebel, I'm going to let the dogs eat you. You know what happens to Jezebel? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. The dogs eat Jezebel. Amen. And when this Bible says, if you don't take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to a devil's hell. I'm here to tell you this morning, by the authority of the Word of God, you will, without Jesus Christ, go to a devil's hell. Here's the good news. Gospel, good news. Here's the good news. If you take and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will go to heaven. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will go to heaven. Now it's, your, your, it, it's, it's up to you. We know it's true. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to take the truth? Are you going to be like Ahab and say, I don't need God's word. I'm going to live my life. I want to live it. You see what happened to Ahab? It didn't end up very well for him. Your Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace and mercy, Lord God. I pray, Father, that your, your words, Lord God, will be preached, Father, and, and, and received, Lord. I pray, Father, that your people have a heart to receive them, Father. And, Lord, I thank you for your incredible uh, uh, grace you show us when we humble ourselves down, Lord. Thank you for leaving these scriptures in here, Lord. We can read about Ahab as wicked as he was, Lord, that you still show grace to him, Lord God, when he humbled himself down, Father. I pray, Father, if there's somebody that's underneath the sound of my voice, Father, that's full of pride, that's got too much pride in the heart, Lord God, that, Father, they'd see the incredible power of humbleness, Lord, before you, Lord God, and they'd just humble themselves down, Lord, and, and follow you, Father, and realize they can tell themselves no. And, Lord, I pray, Father God, that if we have any Jezebels, Lord God, that any sign of my voice, Father, that maybe they're trying to, trying to lead their, their husband in, a, in the wrong way, Lord God, that you'd show them the truth, Lord God, that uh, they will have to answer for it, Father. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that any, any Ahab, Ahabs out there, Lord God, that they would realize that, I'm going to have to answer for everything that's done in my family, Lord God. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would take him as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people, Lord God. And I thank you for loving them and taking care of them, Lord God. And I thank you for the healing you've been giving us in the church, Lord God. We love you so much for that. And we couldn't think of a better place to be, Lord God, just to be in your house worshiping Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.